0: And um, as we continue with our series of The Blessed Life. But before we do that, I just feel that there's someone here who... um, The reality is you have felt that God could not love you. God could not be interested in you because of the things that you have done and the lifestyle that you have undertaken. But the word to you today is that God doesn't just love you from afar. He pursues you with his love. And at this moment you feel like you want to just run away from anything to do with God. Because of the way that you feel about yourself. But God just wants to say to you through this simple word that he pursues you. He's pursuing you. And he will continue to pursue you. He doesn't want to convert you he wants to love you and all you need to do is just surrender your heart to him so if that's you this morning i trust that you will open your heart to god's word and you will surrender and give him everything amen so as we continue with this word and this series of the blessed life i want to particularly address Um, When I say not an easy subject, probably a subject that we've never come across too much in the life of the church, although we would have read the word um, quite a bit as we've read the gospels, but I want to talk this morning about breaking the spirit of mammon, breaking the spirit of mammon. Before you all ask the question, what is mammon, because we're going to come to that, I just want to say a few things. First of all, the word mammon is actually only used four times in the Bible, and uh, three times Jesus uses this uh, word, and uh, we see it used um, in in Matthew and also in Luke, we're going to look at Luke where it's mentioned, and um, we're going to turn in your Bibles if you will, we've got it on the screen to Luke in chapter 16, and we're going to read from verse 9, and because we're particularly looking at the word mammon, I'm actually going to read from the New King James Version, because that's where it's, derives from. And this is what it says in verse 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant. The New International Version says no one, no servant, no one can serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. We see here that Jesus is contrasting two, we could just leave that last verse up. God, Jesus is contrasting two particular particular camps. He's talking about You cannot serve both God and mammon. It says there that no one can serve two masters. You are either serving one or you are serving the other. Do you see that? It's very, very clear. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. There's God and there's mammon. So you ask the question, well, what is mammon? And this morning I've got three questions Two of those questions I'm going to address, one of those questions Pastor Robert Morris via video will address. But I'm going to address the first one, which is this question, because when I read that, I ask myself, what is mammon? What on earth are you talking about? It's not a a, a word that I've heard of, it's not a phrase that I've I've read before, particularly if you read a contemporary version of the Bible, it talks about riches or money. So what is this mammon? Well, I want to say this. It's deeper than just money. It's deeper than just money. Jesus used this word on purpose. He used this word on purpose because it's an Aramaic word. And it actually derives the word mammon was a Syrian god, was a Syrian god from Babylon. So we see there that the Syrians had devised a god called mammon, and that derived from the place called Babylon. Now you might be saying, well where's Babylon come from? Well we see Babylon comes from Genesis in chapter 11 where we see the word the Tower of Babel. You remember the story as they tried to build the Tower of Babel and God came amongst them and confused their language. Because they thought to themselves we would have no need of God, we can get to God. And we see here that actually this this God, this, this spirit, this God of riches, this false God, and if I can say that Jesus knew that they knew, comes from the place of confusion where they are saying we do not need God. You see, the spirit of mammon that Jesus is addressing here, the contrast, God and mammon, the spirit of mammon, and I'm very clear in speaking about the spirit, because it's not just money, it's the spirit that's over it, says to you and to I, we have no need of God. We have no need of God. It says to you and to I that if we have here it, we have all the riches that we need. This spirit of mammon is very prideful and very arrogant. And let me say this, this mammon that we're talking about here that Jesus is addressing is looking for servants. Let's take it back to verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. We see God is looking for people who will serve him, but we see the spirit of mammon is also looking for people who will serve it. Many people, I've realised, look to mammon. And the reality is, let me now personalise it: we don't know it, because many of us have just, you know, caught onto the hook, the lie that money is the answer to our problems. If you've been following this series closely, and if you haven't had listened to it all, I'd really encourage you to listen to the podcast, and listen to the messages, because for me, it's probably one of the most balanced teaching series with regards to stewardship and financial help that you will ever come across, and I say that without any any arrogance at all. It is so balanced. It is so well-crafted and well-taught. And you will notice that in no way have we ever encouraged you the lie because the lie has been in the church as well where if you have caught hold of the lie of something that they call the prosperity gospel. Let me tell you, the gospel is all about wanting to prosper us, but not in the way that some preachers would would propagate it. You see, the prosperity gospel that I'm talking about in its most negative sense always talks about giving to get, giving to get. You know what I'm talking about? If you give this, you'll get it. I I, I won't mention the person here, but there's somebody who keeps receiving letters, keeps prophetic letters, and if you will so... $50, $50, if you'll sow $100, if you'll sow $1,000, then this will come back to you. I want to say that kind of message is not from God. That it, all, it, all, it is, all it is doing, that kind of message, is sowing uh, selfishness and greed back into your hearts. God never talks about us giving to get. And the spirit of mammon will constantly propagate that kind of message. Let me say the people who have taken hold of the spirit of mammon are constantly getting mad with God. You may say, how are they getting mad with God? Well, when something breaks. When something breaks, they immediately blame God. As though God is the problem. Because the Bible says this, that they are loyal to one, mammon, and despise the other, God you are constantly complaining to God when something breaks down, then I want to say there's a problem. The reality is, my friends, things break. Last month, our tumble dryer broke. There was something else that broke. There wasn't ever an occasion when Carolina was saying, well, we tithe and we give. That, you know, things break. Things break down. But I want to say there has never been an occasion where we've blamed God. Because I want to say we want to be loyal to God and not serve mammon. Are you hearing me this morning? Can I hear an amen this morning? Amen. You see, mammon wants to take the place of God. It wants to take the place of God. And why even now I feel that this is a message that's difficult for us to... You know, when I thought about it, I thought, is this a, an appropriate message for a Sunday morning? I actually think it is because the gospel's wrapped up in all of this. Because this is... For many of, many of us, this can be the, this can be the, the wall for us to, to step into, surrender, heart to God. I think about the rich young ruler who had done everything. He'd obeyed his mom and dad. He'd kept the law. And Jesus says to him, well, just sell everything you have and give it away to the poor. And the Bible records that he left Jesus very sad. Why? Because the spirit of mammon was all over this young man, this quality young man, because he wouldn't surrender everything to Jesus and so often many of us can live like this and mammon takes the place of God you see mammon tries to take the place of God by promising everything that only God can give he says to us mammon money riches says to us if you have it you'll have that entity if you have it you'll have security if you have it you'll have significance if you have it you'll be happy have you heard that light before But let me tell you, only God can give us those things. Only God can give us identity. Only God can give us significance. Only God is our security. Only God can give us our true happiness. Only God can give us peace, joy, and love that's lasting, my friend. Mammon wants to rule He wants you to bow down, he wants you to serve, and he wants you to worship it. How many people, I won't ask you to answer this out loud, but do you know who've worshipped their possessions? They've worshipped their cars, they've worshipped their house, they've worshipped their clothes, they've worshipped their bank balances. They just love to see the noughts just ticking on the end of the bank balance. That is a sure sign, I'm sorry my friend, that is a sure sign if you are worshipping it. If you look at it more, you know some people check the bank balance more than they read the Bible. Some of you are checking your stocks and chairs, how it's going up and how it's going down more than the Bible. That's a sure sign to me my friend, of where our hearts are. I'm not saying we can't have bank balances. I'm not saying we can't have stocks and shares. Do you understand what I'm saying? But if you start to worship it, God is my provider. God is my security. God is my help. Some people say this if I had more money, then I'd get the right car, I'd have the right credit card, I'd have the right house, I'd have the right clothes. I'd be happy. Some people say, if I had more money, I'd have a better marriage. And here's the big one. I'd help more people. Let me tell you, God helps people, not money. Did the leper come to Jesus and say, will you give me money, Jesus, for my leprosy? I'm I'm just... did, did, Did... did the, did the man who couldn't walk come to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you give me money? Let me tell you, money won't help us. Only God helps us. Can I hear an amen? Only God helps us. Only God helps us. And if we're continuing to just look towards money as being the source of our help, I want to say we will be left very, very disappointed. If you ever had a problem that money can fix, you never had a problem. Because money does not fix problems. Why am I saying all this? Because I want to break the spirit of mammon if it's over our hearts. Because we do not want to be motivated and worshipping and loving and serving money. We want to love and serve the one who gave everything and his name is Jesus and he gave it so willingly for us. He laid down his life so we could have freedom in this life and in the life to come. Can I hear a big amen in Jesus' name? So this is mammon. It's a spirit that needs to be broken. The second question that I want to ask is this. Is money evil? And I'm going to allow, because I think he's all right actually, Pastor Robert, to just address this one. And then I'll come and finish the third question. So thank you if we could run the video. That would be great is money evil
1: Question number two is money evil Is money evil? because Jesus said unrighteous Mammon well what he 's talking about is a spirit it 's a spirit. I, l- let me just say again, Mammon is a spirit <laughs> uh, if, if Mammon 's not a spirit, how come it can talk <laughs> because you you you, you, try, you start to give an offering and i 'll bet you 'll hear voices. <laughs> Mammon is a spirit that rests on money. I don't know if you ever thought about it. Can I tell you this? All money has a spirit on it. It either has the spirit of God on it or it has the spirit of mammon on it. All the money in your account right now either has God's spirit on it or the spirit of mammon. And the way you get God's spirit on it, according to Scripture, is you give the first 10% to the house of God, and God redeems the rest out from under the spirit of this world, which is the spirit of mammon. Why would you want the spirit of mammon on, on your money? So money, money's not evil. Money's neutral. You can do good with money, you can do bad with money. People say, well, but the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. It's not what it says. Here's what it says: First Timothy 6:10. For the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after, in other words, they got under the spirit of mammon, they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Here's what I think he's saying. Loving and serving mammon is the root of all evil. Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. Loving and serving mammon is the root of all evil. Now, look at this verse because it's strange the way it reads, and a lot of us don't understand it. Verse 9 says, and I say to you, this is Jesus talking, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Okay, I have to admit to you, when I first read that as a new believer, I totally misunderstood it. It's, it, you know, I'm thinking of unrighteous mammon as just money, not, not a God or a spirit of greed. And, and I, so it said, make friends with money. That's what I thought it meant. So I thought it meant, you know, do uh, favors for other people, and then when you're in trouble, they'll, they'll do something for you. You know, that's what I thought. That's not at all what he's saying. He's saying, take this unrighteous mammon and redeem it by giving the first to the house of God and use this use the money that Satan uses for evil. You use it for good, and you use it to build the kingdom of God, and people will get saved. They will become your friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. And it says, when you fail, this word fail means die. It means when you die, when you expire physically. Listen, and when you die, they These people who've come to Christ because you gave to the kingdom, listen, will welcome you into your eternal home. (laughs) That's what he's saying. In other words, there are going to be people in heaven that welcome me, that say, I'm here because you gave. I know that a missionary came and brought the gospel to us, but I found out, because when heaven's see, we're going to know things. I found out there were 47 people that supported that missionary, and you're one of the 47, and if you hadn't supported that missionary, I wouldn't be in the kingdom today. That, that's what he's talking about. See, God is the only one who can take unrighteous mammon and turn it into souls. True riches. That's what true riches are. Um, when I first got saved, um, if you remember, Debbie and I were married before I got saved. And, um, when I got saved, I wanted to witness, but I just, just, just couldn't quite do it. And, and was shy, if you can believe that. <laughs> and, um, so, uh, I got over it, but I, got, I was shy. And, uh, so I remember when I found tracks now I don't know how many of you remember tracks. How many of you remember tracks? Tracks were like little books that shared the gospel story, and I thought so that came out of drugs. So I thought this is cool because tracks used to be when the policeman said, "Okay, roll your sleeve up." And, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, "Wow, I don't know who came up with the name of tracks. Must have been an ex addict." But I, that's great. That's great. Going to share the gospel through tracks, you know. So, so anyway, so I would get these tracks and I'd leave them on tables when we would. Eat, you know, I leave the tip inside. But nobody ever said anything. And so I remember thinking to myself, I'm I'm just not leaving a big enough tip. And so I talked to Debbie about it. We prayed about it. We saved up. We did not have enough to do this. We left a $50 bill in a track one time. Our meal might have been $10, you know, and a $50 tip with the track. We go back to that restaurant a few weeks later, and this uh, lady that waited on us came up. She said, I've been waiting to talk to you. I read that little book, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And she said, and I called my husband and read it to him over the phone, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And I got so excited, but I remember her her wording struck me kind of oddly. I said, what do you mean you called your husband? I mean, was he at work or was he at home? And she put her head down and she said, he's in prison. Can I tell you something? I'm going to meet that guy one day. And he's going to say thank you for the $50 tip. Because I got saved because of that. By the way, a few years later he got out of prison and Debbie and I had the honor of, of seeing him and his wife get baptized. <laughs> Simply because of that. See what I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to tell you is that God can actually take our money and turn it into salts. It is amazing. You can give to the church and God can turn it into salts. It's phenomenal. So money is not evil. It's so good to be able to tag
0: with Robert Morris. I can assure you of that. The last point is this, or the last question. What should I then do with my money? So we've addressed what is mammon. we said is money evil. You can clearly see it's not. It's neutral. But what should we do with our money? Well, the simple answer is this. Very quickly, because of time, we need to be a good steward. If you're taking notes, just put those words down, be a good steward. Be a good steward of, of what you have. I realize there's been times in my life, many times in my life, particularly early on in our Christian, uh, in my Christian walk, and certainly as a, as a young man without responsibilities, I wasn't always a good steward of, of, of my money. But we've sought to be, in the latter part of our time, Carol and I together, to be good stewards of our money. You may be here today, you may say, well, really this message has no effect on me at all because I have so little of this mammon to be concerned with a message like this. If I can say lovingly to you, this way of thinking, if you're thinking like this, I have so little of it, therefore I don't need to listen to it, is so wrong. Because Jesus taught this as an important truth. And let me say this to you. If you think this way, you will never have any more money. You really won't. Because we see in verse 10 of Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, it says this. He who is faithful in little will also be given much If you are faithful with what you have been given, and it may be small, then God says he can begin to pour out much upon your life. You might be here and you're saying, well, I only have a little so I don't tithe. Let me say to you, again, as caringly as I can, you never have much when you first start out. When I first started out, I only had a little. I only had a little. I had a little a job and was able to tithe in and then started a job and you know like an apprentice kind of thing and you've, you've never got much but as you continue to prove God and trust God then God begins to give you what? More. He begins to trust us with more and the more that we trust him and the more that we you know pour out upon others the more we can pour into our lives so our lives become not just a blessing to ourselves or to our family, but also to the church, and even more so to others. It all starts with a little. Verse 12 reads this. And if you have been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? The application to this verse here that we see here in the context of what should I do with our money, it's talking about if we've been faithful with another man's, we will get our own. You see, what God is saying here, I think the application could be, is that we, God says the 10% is reserved to me. This is the tithe, and we've heard in previous weeks that if we use it, we steal it. This is God's language, not mine. Because this 10%, this tithe is holy, it's consecrated, it's set apart as unto God. And if we will not be faithful with that which is another man's, how can God then give us more? But if we prove to be faithful with the 10%, then I believe that God can give us much more. In verse 11, it says there, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, Who will commit to you the trust of true riches? You see, what God is asking us to do here is to trust him with our finances and to be faithful with this unrighteous mammon so God can redeem it and then we can enter into true riches. We've already heard from Pastor Robert Morris what true riches really are. I'd never seen it before up until I read the book two, three years ago. True riches are not money, it's not buildings, true riches are people. True riches are people. The Bible is very, very clear about this, that whenever this happens, you know, either we meet God, or certainly when the end of the days come, when God comes back to meet the people that are left here, and I don't want to enter up that discussion of when that's going to be, and how that's going to be, but all we are very, very clear about is this there will be a new heaven and a new earth. That means to say that everything else will either be removed or destroyed other than people. Everything else in what we see will be destroyed. That beautiful home that you've built, that beautiful classic car that you enjoy, that bank balance that you've got, that beautiful dress, ladies, that you've loved for years, even the wedding dress that you've still stored in your attic even though you can't get in it. And I'll move on very quickly. Okay. (laughs) And by the way, so I'm not picking on the ladies, neither can us men get in our suits either. That beautiful ring that may have been passed down from generation to generation, law be burned. Law be burned. Law be gone. The only thing that really counts, the only thing that's true of true riches is people. And like I said, when I, when I heard this message three years ago, I was so impacted by what are we doing with our finance to make a difference Can I just repeat this? We're not doing this series because we need more money. We're not doing this series because we're going to buy a new building. We're not doing this series because we want to pay down our mortgage here. We're doing this series because we want to teach people, you guys, how to enter into the blessed life. That's all we're doing it for. We're not doing it for any other motivation. There's no manipulation. There's no control here. It's not occupants of this house. It's not how we live our lives. We just want to simply lay truth out from God's word that will cause you to live a blessed life. And I believe that as we steward our finances well, as we steward them, as we steward the tithe, as we steward the money that God has poured into us, then I believe that what will happen is as we steward it well, we will see true riches. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. Our heart is that we will see heaven populated and hell plundered by our offerings. I really do believe this is true, but as people give, people are saved. I was challenged by, and I close with this, that simple thought. Many, many of us were involved with. A charity that Anne works for called Compassion. Many of you give children. In fact, we ought to probably do it again just at some point in the, in the months ahead. And I was just thinking about this. I don't say this as, a, as, any, as any boast. I really don't. But we, we took it on ourselves. to We had one, one little girl. Her name's Mary. She's from Uganda. We did this before Anne and Tim introduced it. It's just something that we did. But then we also had the joy of, of taking on two other boys called Peter and James. I really believe, I really believe that the sacrifice of our family, of our kids, we pray for them, we give to them, is going to make an incredible difference in those children's lives. Not just in their lives, but in the lives that they're going to affect. Not just in their lives, but in their family lives. Because as we know, we pour into a, into a child, it affects the family. That's right, doesn't it, Anne? I thought about the many offerings that this church has poured into—mercy offerings that we've given away, that we've sowed, that we've blessed other other groups—and I just didn't begin to think about pounds. I began to think about people. I began to think about the people that we've blessed, the people that we've touched, and many of those people—some, not many—some of those people may not even be here now on earth. They may already be in heaven. And we've had the joy, the joy of investing into other people's lives to make a difference. Can I just say, let us not allow, keep allowing the spirit of mammon to rule and reign over our hearts and our minds. It's ever before us on the TVs, it's ever before us in magazines, it's ever before us on the internet, buy this, get this, own this, you'll look good. Let it, let, may, may God break that spirit over our lives and that we enter into true riches. I wonder if we'll just bow our heads for a moment.